welcome to episode 5. I'm very happy you joined us. You have made a wise decision. I have a very special show today because I am joined by the Mirko Movie Guys, Clint Schaffer and Chad Weeks. And together, we are the, the Cinema, Cinema Saviors. Saviors. <laughs> That's a little pretentious. <laughs> ah, what the hell? I'm going with it. There will be more Cinema Savior episodes in the future, but this is the first. And you always remember your first. But first, here is some interesting news. How many podcasts are in the world? Well, I'll tell you. As of today, according to Listen Notes, an aggregator of podcast popularity, there are approximately 2,922,211 podcasts out in the wild. This podcast, after only a handful of episodes, is currently in the top 10% listened to podcasts globally. I didn't do that. You did that. You, listening right now. So thank you. Sincerely. Your gift is in the mail. There is also a special What is John Smoking segment where I discuss Trader Jack's Kicking Cigars by the J.C. Newman Cigar Company. Great smokes, especially for those of you who are just wanting to get into smoking premium cigars. So let's dive in, shall we? Yes, we shall. The Cinema Hello, ladies and gentlemen. I am sitting here and I am interviewing Mr. Chad Weeks and Mr. Clint Chaffer. How are you today, gentlemen? Doing great, John. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, doing wonderful, man. Thank you. Of course. I wanted to talk to you guys because you are the cinema experts. That's what I've heard, and that's what I know. So, Chad, let's start with you. Tell me a little bit about yourself and how you got uh, interested in film. Yeah, I I love that question. So, I got interested in film uh, the way I'd say a lot of of people did. Uh, Basically, when I was little, uh, one of the most exciting things for me to do was every Friday night, my mom and I would go to the local uh, video store, Tapeworm Video. And uh, pick out a movie, you know, a bunch of movies, take them home for the weekend, watch movies all weekend. That was just kind of our, our thing. That's just always been the kind of the, the thing for, for me. So I'm sorry. Uh, did, you say, did you say tapeworm yeah. video? <laughs> yeah, that was the name of our local video store here in Alito, Illinois. No pretty, kidding. I, I'll never forget that name. Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's, it is kind of cool now when you think about it. <laughs> yeah. I, I watched uh, Ricky Ticky Tavi on. Uh, Laser disc there. I rented a laser disc <laughs> back in the day and watched Ricky Tiki Tavi. I'll never forget. I don't know why that stands out so well, but oh my gosh, that's a great movie. I haven't thought about that movie in freaking years. It's a great movie. It's a fantastic movie. I had a laser disc player. I guess it was in the late '90s, and I cannot tell you how much money I dropped on laser discs. Those things yeah. were. Ex- I, I do know that my T two special edition was two hundred and twenty nine dollars. I do know that. <laughs> wow! Nice. But but if you're going to spend it on a movie, T two is probably a good one to do it on. <laughs> I think I had all of Cameron's movies on Laserdisc, but the lowest I ever yeah, paid for one was eighty nine dollars. So they were pricey. Wow! That's what. That's why we rented one and we never actually had one. So um, how about you, Clint? What uh, got you interested in film? Yeah, you know, uh, I, I think for us, we lived out in the middle of absolute nowhere, right? And uh, pretty far from any uh, any movie theater, pretty far from any uh, any rental place. Uh, but uh, thankfully, my father has always been like a tech savvy guy, right? And he always loves having like the latest technology and things of that nature. Back in the 80s, he was the guy that had the giant satellite dish, the one that like would actually move from right. satellite to satellite out in your yard. Nice. And, uh, and yeah, I mean, we just had like all sorts of different, uh, movie channels back then. Dad and I on, especially on like Sundays, uh, we farm, uh, but, uh, a lot of, a lot of Sundays we'd be out of the field and be watching, you know, I don't know, James Bond marathons on, on TNT or, you know, right. or whatever, whatever Jean-Claude Van Damme or Chuck Norris movie was out there, you know, I mean, uh, just, just grew up really watching a lot of those action films. Uh, and then that just kind of migrated into, uh, really actually by the time we got into high school, Chad and I started, uh, hanging out and, uh, we started hitting movie theaters at every midnight showing that we could go to. Oh, when you say things like Chuck Norris, it just makes me really miss the eighties. 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The 80s had some great movies, man. Yeah, I mean, not great as in, you know, movie quality, but, you know, they they, they really they really resonate with a with a little kid, you know, at that point in time. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> so good. Why were those movies so awesome, though? That's the question. Like, if you look at those movies from the 80s, those Steven Seagal, like, <laughs> I couldn't imagine watching a Steven Seagal movie now. But back in the day, <laughs> I, could, I couldn't wait for one to come out. John Claude Van Damme, anything he's in. I think that's why the, the Expendables was so successful because everybody wanted to go back and revisit that uh, nostalgia from their childhood. Absolutely. Uh, that's why I went. I'll tell you that. <laughs> I remember that time in the late 80s, early 90s when they kept trying to find the next big action star because uh, that's what cinema was. It was so macho in the latter half of the 80s, and I loved every minute of it. For sure. You know, I, I just heard on, a, heard on an interview uh, a guy was talking about back then it was really – the movies were really focused around the the superstar, right? Like it's like who's the Hollywood actor, the the big hot actor, and everything, or you know, big star and everything else. And his comment was that's actually what's kind of changed in today's film uh, is it's really more storyline based and not so much the actor that that's in it, which is why we have a whole lot of different uh, high end actors now that you know we kind of all follow, but. I thought that was kind of a unique way of looking at it of like, you know, it was really based on the action star back then. And now it's really more storytelling. The industry changes, you know, I mean, if you stand back and look, you can see how uh, early nineties became uh, very independent friendly and a big rush of independent people. And that kind of replaced that, that machismo uh, action star stuff that we had in the eighties. And I was really upset about it until, uh, I grew up a little bit and realized that, gosh, man, if you let people just do some some films on an independent level, you can get some great stories. But, oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I still miss those Chuck well, Norris movies, boy. <laughs> absolutely. And, and talk about those independent films, John. Like, you the you got us into the that kind of uh, that space. And, man, we're loving it. Like, there, there is so much good content out there that we would have never discovered had it not been for... We're watching for Hannah and that, you know, and that sort of thing. And just going down that rabbit hole. And next thing you know, we're at a film fest and watching these different things like that opened up a whole new door for us. Oh, that's great. Yeah, that's great. I love going to film festivals. There's films that you're never <laughs> going to see anywhere else, but I've made a lot yeah, exactly. of good uh, friends at film festivals. If you're in the industry, I've always said that film festivals are the place to go because that's where you make contacts. That's where you make friends. And, uh, and you see some really good films as a matter of fact. You, you were talking, John, about like the, the 90s being, you know, kind of friendly to, to independent filmmakers and kind of swinging that way. Would you consider uh, Reservoir Dogs an independent film? It's certainly independent minded. I think I would, actually. Yeah. I think I would. I mean, I guess it's in a gray area, you know, but I don't think it had a huge studio behind it. No, no, I don't think it did. No, that, that's uh, when you said that, it's like that's what kind of tripped my mind. Of you know, when you said like that was kind of the transition. It's like, man, uh, what was that? Ninety two. Hmm? That had to have been kind of like the forefront of. I, I wonder if that was the accelerant, right? Well, um, to that independent it, film. It was it, that. It was that. It was El Mar- Mariachi, and it was Clerks. You know, ah, it was yeah, like yeah, a, it's yeah, like Clerks, a trifecta definitely. of films that dropped in the very early nineties. Then all of a sudden everybody said, man, we could make movies. We can make money with films that didn't, and we don't have to spend a lot of money on them. You know, just get yeah, these I, talented. I <laughs> when you rattled all those off right there. Those are just great, yeah. great movies. <laughs> yeah. El, El Mariachi. That, yeah, those are name drops. Clerks and El Mariachi. <laughs> I know. <laughs> those are the whole universe. Yeah. There was a lot of filmmakers that came out of that because it's kind of like when, um, a new hit song hits the airwaves and some band gets popular. And then all of a sudden, all of the record labels want that sound, you know, and start yeah. signing up all these bands, you know? <laughs> so I think it was yeah. the same thing in the nineties with uh, independent filmmakers. That's a great way to look at it. So I'm, um, I'm sorry to give you the bad news here, gentlemen, but uh, here's the real reason I brought you on. Chad Weeks and Clint Schaffer. I have you here today because I have some unfortunate news. There is an asteroid hurtling toward Earth. So are we Bruce, Bruce Willis and Ben Affleck up there too? Yeah, to take it just down. send him up there. I don't know if Bruce Willis is in that kind of shape, but uh, yeah, he's not. That's a sad thing. Yeah, yeah. Here's the deal: there is a slight chance that we're not going to make it. This asteroid is a planet killer, just like in Armageddon. But we mm. have a vault underneath Colorado. And they're going to put 
50% of all the films ever made in this vault in case there are survivors. So people will understand our culture and why these films are important to us. So I have a list of 20 films that they've sent me and we're going to have to pick 10 of them. <laughs> okay. Oh. Unfortunately, now, it's this, come down to us. Is this a, is, we have to agree on these 10 films. We have to, I will be the tiebreaker. Okay, we need a bigger vault here, John. Yeah. Now, I'm not I'm not sure how the algorithm picked all these films, but uh, it's it is kind of a strange mix. So as I go through these, I'm we're going to have to give our recommendations to which one of these films we're going to save. Okay. Okay. I like so, this. We're, we're like the, we're like the council of the movie minds right now. The three it's, of us. Yeah, it is. And this is, we have to take this, uh, really seriously important guys, because this is for the future generation, you know? Yeah. I'm yeah, all no, about absolutely. it. Yeah. So Ricky, Ticky, Tommy's in. Oh yeah. That one's definitely in. That one's in. <laughs> so I'm going to go through this list. Okay. And then let's pick the ones that we think are going to be culturally relevant in say a hundred years. Okay. Okay. All right. Yep. And we'll start here with two extremely culturally relevant films predator two and die hard with a vengeance predator two directed <laughs> yeah. by Stephen Hopkins. And of course, John McTiernan comes back and directs die hard with a vengeance. Which one of these do you think we're going to save? I, I think that's an easy one. Die hard with a vengeance. Like for me, that's easy. Okay. Uh, I, I, I appreciate, I, I appreciate predator two more than most, but uh, I think that's third on my list of the predator movies behind predator and prey man. Prey was good. Even my, it's even behind Predator, so it's, it's it's fourth on my list of the Predator movies. Die Hard with a Vengeance. I don't know where it falls on my list of the Die Hard movies. Actually, now you mentioned, it, but it's it's. I feel like that's a superior a superior genre in general. Okay. Yeah, I, I think I, I think I'm going to go to the the same one. Uh, Die Hard with a Vengeance was that the one with Samuel L. Jackson in it? Yes, it was. Yeah, I mean, I I think you just have if I look at just the the sheer cast alone right there. I mean, you, you got Bruce Willis, you got you got Samuel L. Jackson. I mean, that's such a a fun. They have that little uh, that little bit of you know seriousness, the comedy kind of between the two. Man, I think that wins all day long. If yeah, it was up against like Predator, that that may be a different uh, that's a different conversation, well, right? But right. Well, Predator also, two definitely. Also, we're looking at putting this a hundred years in the future, and you're talking about some cultural differences there. With Samuel L. Jackson, Bruce Willis, so yeah, absolutely. this is something you want to you want to preserve. So I would I would uh, definitely going with uh, with Die Hard with a Vengeance. That's a good point. That's a good point. Yeah. and I think I'll have to agree with you guys. Um, I think John McTiernan directs the hell out of that movie. He's 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 one of our best yeah. directors, and he's not really a named director, and that's a shame. And and yeah. I think I think that movie is wildly underrated when you talk about the the Die Hard series. Absolutely. Too, so. Did you know that that started out? Uh, if I'm not uh, wrong as a lethal weapon script. Real? Oh, I could, yeah, I could you, see you that. Can see it though. You can I see can it see between it. <laughs> between Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson. It's the same with Danny Glover and Mel Gibson, mm-hmm. right? I mean, yeah. like I said, you kind of have that serious but, yet a little bit of comedy between it. If if Danny Glover swore a lot more, <laughs> <laughs> it was way more of a badass. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. From what I understand, it was a spec script written for the Lethal Weapon franchise. And they yeah. repurposed okay. it. Yeah. From what I understand. I don't want to go off on a tangent about these different movies, but it's, Clint and I did a podcast, and I think that uh, Lethal Weapon is a better Christmas movie than Die Hard. Just throwing that out there, too. Mm. <laughs> yeah, I, I, it would be close for me, too. I probably think Die Hard would win out for me, but man, Lethal Weapon is, yeah. a, is a work of yeah. freaking art. I might just be me trying to be a contrarian. I don't know, just on the same note as like with Die Hard with a Vengeance, I'm just letting y'all know that I'm going to watch it for the next week. So yeah, got this, got this. <laughs> yeah, that's a good one. Predator two. I just watched actually, cause I just watched all the predator movies over the last week. Nice. All of them. So that, that's a trip that I want to go down as well. After being prey, I want to start them all over again. That's what I did. Yeah. I thought prey kind of reinvigorated me for the franchise. Mm-hmm. Cause prey was really well done. I mean, it, it really prey was. was I, yeah. I really, I liked the, I, I liked how they did, uh, did prey. That was a lot better than that uh, Adrian Brody one that uh, came out Man, a few years ago. That's a good movie, and you shouldn't you shouldn't blast in that movie. That's a good movie. Predators is a good movie. That like the the, pre- the Predator sucks. That was terrible, but the, the Predators is a good movie. There's nothing offensive about it, you know. No, exactly. Um, it's a good. I thought it was pretty good. Action movie. Yeah, I just yeah. watched it last weekend. I, I find Adrian Brody offensive. I think that's my issue. Oh, okay. 
Fair enough. Fair enough. I watched uh, the two Alien versus Predator movies, and the one that's set on in that town, Alien versus Predator, Predator mm-hmm. Requiem. I think that's kind of. Uh, I hate. I don't talk bad about movies, so I'm not going to say bad things about movies publicly. But yeah. it's probably my least favorite out of all of the the films. I, I, the reason I, I watch it though, because I have a buddy Juan Radinger who was in a film of mine, and he gets his uh, head blasted off by a predator in it. So. But, I do have an affinity for it. Oh, really? Yeah. Oh, nice. That is awesome. <laughs> All right, let's I, move I on. I put that up there as a word, too. But yeah, go ahead. Yeah. All right, so here we go. Predator 2 in the toilet. Sorry, Danny Glover. Yep, gone. All right, now this one is this one's a little odd, and I'm not really understand how they how they did this list, but we're talking about Near Dark by Catherine Bigelow, and we're looking at Singing in the Rain by Stan Stanley Donnan. Oh, man. I'm, I'm going Singing in the Rain all day long. I don't. I don't know if I even know Near Dark. I think. Uh, what, what, what is this one? This is so Near Dark's a vampire movie. Bill Paxton is in it. Lance Hendrickson is in it. If you haven't seen it, it's it's one of my Bill favorite. Bill Paxton movies. is in it, and, yeah. and it's a vampire movie. And I haven't seen it. Yeah, dude, you got to see it. See, this is why I love having these conversations because that's a movie that's right up my alley, and I, I have no clue why I've never heard of this or why I've never put this. But I'm going to put this on my list and watch it tonight. I I, I don't know. So I can't really weigh in on this one, but. So I, I will make my make my argument for singing in the rain here, John. Sure. And it comes it comes down to uh, to a single to a single scene, which is Gene Kelly on the day that they shoot when he is going to be singing "Dancing in the Rain." Right. First off, that entire song and dance is in one nonstop shot. Right. There's no yes. cut. There's no nothing. It's no transitions. It's just it's literally one solid take, uh, which is. Absolutely, from a filmmaking perspective, that's incredible, just in itself. Absolutely. Uh, and then you take Gene Kelly had over a hundred and three degree temperature the day that he sang that, that he cut that, and he literally wakes up feeling like you know he's about ready to die, and he just sucks it up and goes out. They're dumping water on him, and he does this nonstop, absolute amazing take. And it's just, it's changed the way I look at, like, if I'm sick and I don't want to, like, you know, I don't know, go mow the yard or something. It's like, yeah. come on, Gene Kelly did this. <laughs> like, Gene <laughs> Kelly did, like, one of the greatest takes in movie history. I'm I'm going singing in the rain all day long. Right. Simply because of the, the, the cinematic touch on that. Absolutely. I, and I would probably lean that way, too. Um, although Near Dark is very dear to me and... Chad, yeah, you, you're I, gonna I freaking that love up. it. You're gonna love that movie. I, I looked that up, and it is on my movie list. I just <laughs> haven't seen it yet. I, I, so it's it's on the list. I just haven't got to it. So. Well, you're not gonna be able to watch Probably it now because we got two votes for singing in the rain. Sorry, it's gone. Your dark's gone. So this one is an interesting one. Citizen Kane, directed by Orson Welles, or Return of the Jedi, directed by Richard Marquand. This, okay, so this is going to be an easy one for Clint. Yeah. Clint, go ahead. Go ahead. I got to think about it. I think because I let me let me let me think about this. So so I I actually have to preface this, and uh, you know I don't think you can probably put movie expert in front of my name by any means if I uh, if I'm sitting here telling you I've never seen Citizen Kane before, <laughs> uh, and I never have. It's just I I've never I've seen it or like you know I've, I've seen it on the list. I've, I've you know, had it there to where I, I've been wanting to watch it. I've just never taken the time. It's never probably tripped my trigger for, uh, to, you know, to go down that path. Uh, I'm going to be, <laughs> I mean, Return of the Jedi, I'm, I'm going to go there. Okay. That's, uh, I mean, I'm just a huge Star Wars junkie. Sure. And I think that uh, to take one of those out, if you got the trilogy there and you take one out, I'm going to be just heartbroken. Fair enough. But you've got to yeah, watch Citizen I'm gonna Kane. Go, yeah, I'm going to go the opposite. <laughs> I'm going to go with Citizen Kane just because. I think it's a beautifully shot movie. I think that the the cinematography alone in that movie is I can't can't imagine trying to accomplish something like that back when that was when that was, was shot. And it's it's beautiful. And I, I'm I'm the opposite. Of Clint. I I, lo- I love Star Wars, but I'm not like a I'm not a huge Star Wars fan. I, I so I, I I'm going to go Citizen Kane just because I think that it'll be more culturally relevant in the future than what Star Wars is. Yes, yeah, and We're I agree with Jedi, that. Jedi, I agree Jedi. with that. And 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 the. The cinematography was groundbreaking, no doubt about mm-hmm. it. But for me, it's Orson Welles' performance, one of my favorite film performances ever. Yeah, you know, I, I think that that performance is better than Job of the Huts. So I'm going to go <laughs> Citizen Kane. You know, it, here, here's the thing: I'm not mad about this. 
like typically, like you'd probably think I'd be upset about this. First off, Return of the Jedi, I think, is, is lesser than the other two. So if we look at A New Hope or Empire Strikes Back. So at least you're like cutting out probably the, the, the worst out of the trilogy, in my opinion. But I mean, Citizen Kane is on the, I, again, I haven't seen it, but I mean, I know it's on the list of like everything that, you know, that kind of started movies. So I feel like that definitely would be more impactful to the next generation. I don't, I, I again, I'm not going to stay here and cheer, but uh, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be sad about this. Um, yeah. So yeah, Return of the Jedi. Sorry, George. Oh, yeah, that's man. a tough one. That, is a, that's, that's that, again, that, that just gave that again just gave me a little bit of chills when you say that. I just feel like I just lost that movie forever. Right there. <laughs> <laughs> this one might not be as hard, but it may. I don't know. It depends on, I guess, what you're into. The Notebook, directed by Nick Cassavetes, or the Rocky Horror Picture Show, directed by Jim Sharp. I'm going Notebook all day long. That is sad. Get the Rocky Horror Picture Show out of here. <laughs> I, I tell you what, even though I make fun of Chad for like watching the Notebook like fifteen times in a it's row, it's the greatest love story of all time. I, I'm gonna, I'm gonna be right there with you. I'm definitely gonna go the Notebook, uh, kick Rocky Horror uh, Picture Film out of there, and let's go Notebook. All right, then I'll go with you guys. We got to have something there for the ladies. Yeah, exactly. You got you got to pull the emotional strings, right? I mean, you got to have something people are going to cry about, uh, and the notebook's there, right? I mean, they're probably crying because of the apocalypse already, but you know, the notebook will like you know <laughs> give them something else to cry about. Yeah, get their feels. Well, plus the notebook is a it is a snapshot of a time, and yeah, I do like sure. that. The Rocky Horror Picture is a snapshot of a fever dream. So I, yeah. I don't, you know, even though I I admire the film for its bizarreness. And the creepy feeling it gives me, I think I would have to go with the Notebook, which I actually really do like. Yeah, if 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 I had if I had grown up with with the Rocky Horror Picture Show, like uh, all that, I, I might be saying something different. But I am right in that that Notebook pocket, and and the Rocky <laughs> Horror Picture Show to me was always just kind of a myth, I guess. I mean, it's cool. Uh, I I love Meatloaf, you know, but right. I just, not not me. All right, let's move on. This one might be a little easier. Point Break. Directed by Catherine Bigelow, or Ant Man and Wasp, directed by Peyton Reed. Oh man, I'm I'm going Point Break all day long. You're talking okay. the original Point Break, right? Yep, the original Point Break. Gary Busey. Yeah, yeah. Now I'm gonna I'm gonna preface this by saying that Clint and I were on on scene for the shooting of Ant Man and Wasp. Uh, <laughs> we were. Yeah, Clint, Clint was actually up in the hotel room uh, using the bathroom, and uh, <laughs> my wife and I we're down on the street. We're down in Atlanta, Georgia, for a football game, and they just happened to be shooting Ant Man and Wasp. It's so like the, you know that scene where they where Ant Man uses that flatbed pickup as a skateboard. Like you saw that truck come rolling down the street yes. and stuff, and then everything backs up. And also, it's, it's pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, it's it's easily Point Break. Johnny uh, Utah. Uh, yeah, yeah, easily, easily Point Break. The I think that that is the movie that turned things for Keanu Reeves. You know, Ooh, I and then I that. and then I think just speed cemented it. Ah. You know, See, I just watched Speed not too long ago. He, I, I absolutely like. I get why he got chose for for the Matrix because it's like you watch Speed and the guy just did a rock solid job in that movie. Man, I love that movie. Yeah, that's a good one. Is there is there a bad Keanu Reeves movie? Yes. No, there's well, a bad well, there's a bad bad Keanu Reeves performance. There's a few of those. <laughs> okay. All right. <laughs> I, I, I like that correction yeah. right there. Like, well, bad performances, not bad <laughs> Okay, that's fair. That's fair. Now, this one, depending on this one's strange. When they sent this to me, uh, I was like, oh, man, this is getting tough. Psycho, directed by Alfred Hitchcock, or The Hobbit, directed by Peter Jackson? Easily Psycho for me. Uh, I love Lord of the Rings. I love all three of those. And like that would probably be one of the greatest trilogies, if not the best trilogy of all time. But it's not. The quadrilogy or whatever, I don't care for the Hobbit, like any of them at all. I'm gonna be I'm gonna be hard in that camp as well. Uh, just I mean, again, if you're gonna pick uh, one of the trilogies of like the original Lord of the Rings, uh, this would be a different conversation. But uh, yeah, no, I'm I'm going Psycho all day long. Yeah, I think uh, you, I think we're all on the kind of the same track here. If they had sent one of the original trilogy i would be in i would be hard pressed not to pick that you know or to to pick that instead of psycho because such a beautiful piece of work no that was like you know when you look at like the original the, the, 
they're basically, you know, like a lot of the comments of, of when that was shot, we'll never see another movie like that again. Right. Right. Because, because CGI has taken over and a lot of what they did within Lord of the Rings was, I mean, there was CGI in there, but I mean, a lot of that was actually like picking the right spots, locations, things of that nature. Nobody will ever invest to, to create that kind of film again. I think you can see the difference between the trilogies between Lord of the Rings trilogy and the Hobbit trilogy. I think the Hobbit went full CGI. I like old school movie magic and practical effects. And man, you can't get better than Lord of the Rings. Plus the Hobbit didn't have near enough elves. I love the elves. (laughs) (laughs) But the the thing is on on some of that is it's like, I think some films and and even some filmmakers today uh, think that you can just create a blockbuster by putting a huge special effects budget on something. Right. Right. Like, uh, you know, I, I who was the, uh, man, I'm, I'm losing his name, but the guy that did all the transformers or, or Michael, Michael, Bay. Bay. Mm-hmm. My, my, Michael Bay, like loves blowing stuff up. Right. And it's like, just because you're going to go out there and spend millions of dollars blowing a bunch of stuff up or doing a bunch of special effects or having a ton of CGI, that does not mean that your movie is going to be good. Right. And right. I, and I think like if you make a movie, and it's the story first, and you know, then special effects after that. I think that's a better uh, a better mix for me. Um, well, how about this one, gentlemen? E.T. directed by Steven Spielberg, or Jungle Fever directed by Spike Lee? I'm I'm going to go E.T. pretty easily. Uh, I I don't know that I have actually seen Jungle Fever, but I I, I know that. Spike Lee is another myth for me. Like I, I don't think I've seen a Spike Lee movie that I really like. Okay, uh, fair enough. And I know that that's blasphemous because a lot of people really like his stuff. It's just not my style. Uh, but I, yeah, so easy, easily ET. I think especially if you're talking for the future. I, I don't know. Maybe maybe not. Spike Lee's got a lot of really culturally so, speaking, he's got a lot of really good stuff. So 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 I I would say uh, two two of like my some of my favorite films are Spike Lee films. Uh, one being the 25th hour with Ed Norton, uh, I think is absolutely amazing and so well done. I've watched it multiple times. Absolutely love that. The other one is, uh, do the right thing with mm-hmm. Spike Lee. If do the right thing is on this list, I'm going to pick that a hundred times out of a hundred times. Right. I think that is, uh, not only culturally, culturally relevant. It's like, there's like a lot of moral things that come into that as well. And I think it's just such a well done movie. I've told Chad this a thousand times. I go, if you ever want to watch a movie that makes you feel hot and sweaty while you're watching it, do the right thing as that movie. Oh, the one movie that I would say, like, it drives the temperature of the room that you're sitting in as you're watching it. Right. Jungle Fever, I've never watched. E.T., I'm going to have to probably go with that one. Uh, I mean, that was just like a pinnacle of my childhood. Uh, Steven Spielberg. Uh, it has like the traditional, just like, you know, 80s feel to it, your Stranger Things feel to it, right? Which everybody loves at this point in time. I'm going easy. Okay. I think uh, I'm, I'll be with you, gentlemen, for this one. Um, I happen to really what, like what, Jungle what, Fever. Sorry. That's what I was going to say. What, what would you say, John? Because I'm curious on your take on this. If it was, if they, if, if they had put Do the Right Thing on this list, I would have went with Do the Right Thing. Oh, oh Do the Right Thing. Is, yeah. is that not just such a great movie, John? Oh, it's a fantastic movie. Yeah. It, it, oh. Even if you take the cultural stuff out, it, just the way it's made, it's such a sure-footed direction and the performances and the style. It's it's great. It's a great movie. Uh, it, do you have the same thing of like, I don't care if it's like, you know, 30 degrees in the room that you're watching it, like you start sweating during that movie. <laughs> <laughs> what, however they shot that, it's just amazing to me how – how they made it so like yeah. like I said, it's like the temperature comes through your TV. Uh, yeah, the production designers that. painted everything uh, red and orange, and like all the buildings, yeah. and so yeah, it's no. It plus they talk about it a lot, you know, and that yep. that's yeah, psychologically wet and it's, you know, it's like the hottest day of the year, something right? Like what it takes place on, right? Right, you know, and it's uh, it, it is really a great movie. I think it's a classic movie. It's going to be a classic movie. I have nothing against E.T., but it's one of my least favorite Spielberg movies because I just, it doesn't have a lot of replay value for me for whatever reason. Maybe that's just me, but uh, it's no close encounters. I'll just say that. (laughs) When you put E.T., though, I mean, if, if you're not, I almost feel like if you're not 
you know, a kid or a young adult in the in the eighties, ET is, is just it's just not going to hit you the same. You know, like it's almost like you got to be like a part of that generation to like. I guess see the value in it. I in think, my opinion, yeah, I think I might have been two or three years too old when I first saw it. Mm. You know, if I had been yeah. just a little younger, I think I would have had the nostalgia factor a lot, a lot more with ET. Yep, yeah. if I could see that. My wife and I just watched it recently, and, and I, I would, uh, I kind of agree with that because I, I don't think it held up as well as I remember. Like, I think Jaws, I think it's one of those ones that holds up really well. Oddly enough, I love Jaws still. Jaws, yeah, me excited every time. Well, it's I, I will give ET one thing. It's got one of the best child performances in film ever. Andrew Hen- Barrymore, uh, Henry Thomas, oh, Elliot. Okay, the the lead guy. Yeah, yeah, so good. And if you guys look on YouTube and find find Henry Thomas's audition tape, it is so Man, I- good. And Spielberg's watching, actually watching. In, Spielberg's in the room, and as soon as he's done, Spielberg says, "You got the job, kid." <laughs> really? <laughs> yeah. It's amazing. That's cool. <laughs> watching anybody's audition tapes, I think, are really cool. Yeah, I remember sure. watching Hugh, Hugh Jackman when, when he auditioned for Wolverine, and it's like, yep, so cool just to see how that all how, how that all comes about. I remember that. Yeah, I, I also love like when you hear the stories that they actually. Um, I, I think this was uh, almost famous. Kate Hudson actually got Zoe's role, right? Mm-hmm. Like they they actually like they were like, okay, you have that role until they went through all the auditions and then they realized like she was better for, for the other role. And it's like, I think some of that's fun too. Like when somebody actually thinks they have a different role until they get to the, you know, get actually into the movie. And it's like, you're actually going to be better off doing this. And could you imagine her not being, not being her role? Yeah. That's that, that is a, that's a good movie. And most of it is because of her. I think she is so freaking adorable in that thing. Are, you're talking about Kate Hudson or Zoe yeah. Deschanel? Because I'm, I think talking, I'm talking off. to Kate Hudson. <laughs> Kate, yeah. Kate Hudson was like, Kate Hudson is the, uh, she, yeah. Like, yeah. you can't imagine that movie without Kate Hudson in it. Right. Yeah. What, whenever somebody asks for a movie recommendation, that is one of the top ones that I recommend. Because I think that that is an absolute, absolutely perfect film. Top to bottom. I yeah, love that's that. really good. Well, it's better than Vanilla Sky, anyway. All right. We'll move on. <laughs> I, I like Vanilla Sky. Like, let's 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 not hate let's just move on. Let's just move on. Jungle Fever. Sorry, Spike. Sorry, Spike. Jungle Fever is gone. Spike It is a good movie, though. <laughs> All right, here now. This one is wow. I don't know about this one. Frozen by Chris Beck and Jennifer Lee, or Toy Story by John Lasseter. Before we before we weigh in on this, I want to throw it out there that uh, when. When when I first watched Frozen, Clint actually told me that he's like, yeah, the movie's terrible. Like it was, it was you know, because I said it was going to win the Oscar for Best Picture, or whatever. Mm-hmm. He's like, I, I think it's going to be Minions Two or something stupid, whatever it was. But uh, it was a bad watched, take. It was a bad yeah, take. <laughs> I forced him to watch it again because I'm like, I don't, I don't mean that be that guy, Clint, but this is a really good movie. So Frozen is great. Uh, Toy Story is great. Uh, I would, I'm going to go with Frozen though because I think that you put uh, Toy Story Three. Uh, which, you know, when I watched it with my daughter in the theater and it had me all choked up, <laughs> uh, I would put Toy Story 3 there, but uh, I- I'm going to go with uh, Frozen on this one. This, this, this is one of those, like, I'm, I'm I'm not even as upset about throwing these movies away, John, as I am, like, I keep agreeing with Chad. This is, like, really <laughs> annoying to me now, you know? I don't like, to, I don't do like to, I never like to agree with them this much, but I, I think I have to go, so this is, like, your traditional... Disney versus Pixar, mm-hmm. right? I mean, that, that's truly what this is. Like when you think about, think about that aspect. Um, I have to go on the Disney side because you don't get the songs. The, 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 you know, Disney does a great song, a great, uh, a great way of like bringing the song into it. Right. I think I'm going to have to go with frozen load just based on that alone. Like sure. to bring in the, the, the songs that frozen has, I mean, let it go. Uh, that's that's one of the greatest songs that Disney has like put out like ever. Right? Well, that's true. Uh, that's true. Man, I, I think I'm just gonna have to go with that. All right, I, I will part ways with you here, then, gentlemen, a little bit, even though I lose because we're gonna. But I don't know, Toy Story. I just think because it was the first full length computer generated film, I think it's got a relevance to it because of that reason. And it's the script is super smart. I just love the Toy Story. Yeah, that is, no, I, I, that can't, is I can't disagree with that. 
that is a great point. And, and given it the, the, uh, I, I didn't even think about the fact of it being the first of the, you know, uh, digital films or whatever, but I still, I still, I mean, like I've got, I've got probably two or three of those songs on my Christmas playlist right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> do you want to build go, a snowman? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's just like I said. It goes back to the music to me, right? Sure. Uh, and and I think I just picture. I guess you know, in this post-apocalyptic world, I want every little girl running around singing. You know, do you want to build a snowman or let it go? Right? Uh, I think that'll just bring a lot of joy to the to the next uh, the next generation out there. Nice point. Yeah, and, uh, I agree. And, 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 and honestly, I think this is probably the closest one that we've had yet. In my opinion. Okay. Yeah, um, I would agree. Yeah. The, uh, I, so I guess I'll never get to see Toy Story again. All right. Whatever. All right. Fine. All right. Now this one, you thought that one was tough. Holy cow. When okay. I saw this, right. I thought, oh my God, there's no way that we're going to be able to pick between these. But that's why I brought in the experts. All right. Okay. Here we go. 50 my Shades of Grey. <laughs> From Sam Taylor Johnson, or Trolls Two by Claudio Fergrassi. Oh my god! Oh my god! We have to put one of these in here. Okay, so here's the thing: like, I hate Fifty Shades of Grey so much. Like, I hate that it exists. I'm going with Trolls Two. <laughs> Trolls Two. Goodbye. Wow. Fifty okay. Shades Tr- of Grey. Troll. Yeah. Okay. Troll. I I remember the troll movies now. Now after I sorry I had to, I had to cheat a little bit and I had to had to look up a, a wiki page on this. Uh, I you know there's something about I I could just only imagine the troll two was just a pretty low low budget film and and whatnot. I, I think I'm gonna have to go Fifty Shades of Grey. Really? Okay. And now that I'm a Fifty Shades of Grey guy. I'm, I'm again, I'm trying to look out for that, that next generation that's going to wake up and, and, you know, and they got to, they got to try figuring this whole crazy world of life out. And I think like just those o- older moms that are out there just really need something to, 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 you know, to, to kind of look forward to, <laughs> okay. right? I mean, that's, that's, that's what made the books, right? <laughs> I looked up Trolls 2 on IMDb and it got a 2.9. And honestly, <laughs> that makes me want to watch it more. It. Just out of curiosity, what what, uh, what did Fifty Shades of Grey get? Oh, it had to be like it got to be like a six seven or something or a six six or something like that. Oh, it can't be that high. There's no it's a four point one. Clint, get out of here with that. <laughs> oh, I figured it'd be higher than that. Oh man, that is a, that is such a it is a terrible movie. It's a terribly written book. It's a shame that we have that Troll Two all the way. <laughs> <laughs> all right, well, I'm with you on Trolls Two. I'm with you on Trolls Two. It's <laughs> thank you, thank you, John. Oh. Uh, Fifty Shades Let's of Grey. Talking to his wife too much. <laughs> now this one, this one, we're gonna we'll probably piss some people off with this one, um, okay. or maybe all not. Right. Maybe not. This is the last one they've sent me here. Um, so we're looking at either Kill Bill Volume Two, Ooh. or Jailhouse Rock. Oh wow. Wow. Okay. Uh, Clint, if you got an answer on this, I got to think about this a little bit because no, same I, here. I I am going to go. I'm going to go Jailhouse Rock pretty pretty hard on this one. I love Kill Bill too, but Jail Jailhouse Rock was like that was that was special. Uh, I remember watching that with my grandma. Man, that was it's been a long time, but I remember thinking that that was just the coolest thing that I've ever seen. Yeah, I think the trick uh, is that we have to put our feelings aside for the the betterment of humanity. You know, yeah, and think about That's the true. future generations. I'll throw I'll throw my thoughts out then on that. I'm going Kill Bill two, okay, and I'm going Kill Bill two because I can only imagine how a 19 you know 50s film would be uh would be perceived at that point in time, right? I mean, it's Elvis, and I get it, but I think I think if you go culturally relevant and and I think something maybe more impactful, especially like. Again, I think if I go like cinematography and whatnot on Kill Bill, uh, man, that that is an amazing, an amazing movie. Mm-hmm. Tarantino did a great job on that. I, I'm gonna have to go Kill Bill. Too. Okay, that sounds good. However, my mother would absolutely kill me if I did not pick Jailhouse Rock. So Jailhouse Rock for me. I, yeah, I, I, <laughs> Kill Kill Bill is killed. <laughs> yeah, I, like and that's what I say. Like I think Jailhouse, like like you said, culturally relevant. I mean, like the fact that Elvis wanted to be a movie star so dang fast. And like and, and and you can tell that in these movies where he's 
they always asked him to sing and stuff. He always just wanted to be an actor, I think. I think that, that's the way I always took it. Sure. And he wanted to be James Dean. These, right. Yes. Yes, absolutely. Mm-hmm. And, and I remember watching these, these, these marathons of Elvis movies and stuff. Jailhouse Rock was always one that, like, circle that on the day. Like, we're going to watch that one for sure. Well, I, cool I, 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 I have to just say that, like, I appreciate both of your outlooks. Just know when you go to bed at night, you're wrong. you're you're throwing you're throwing a significantly better movie away for for elvis so just just know that you're wrong and and it's okay it's gone we'll never watch it again i don't disagree rock now but you're wrong i don't disagree that's a better movie at all i don't disagree with that i'm just saying that like culturally relevant that that's gotta be it right no no. Well, I would think so. Plus, you can always, you always have Kill Volume One. Just watch Volume One. <laughs> See, that, that's the thing. That's what I need to know here, John. I need to know what else is in the vault. Oh, right? dude, like, I think some other movie experts are picking other things. They might not pick Volume One either. So I don't oh, know. See, like then it's just a travesty, right? Oh my gosh! Yeah, there's no telling what we're going to end up with. But what I know we're not going to end up with is Predator Two, Near Dark, <laughs> Return of the Jedi, Rocky Horror Picture Show, Ant Man and Wasp. The Hobbit, Jungle Fever, Toy Story, Fifty Shades of Grey, and Kill Bill, Volume Two. Thank you very much. So Man, I just feel like we did our, I feel like we did ourselves de- uh, 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 did society a favor by getting rid of Fifty Shades of Grey. Though <laughs> I really feel good about that. <laughs> you know, I did. I did want to say something on Troll Two. So I think you said it got like a two point something on IMDb. And I and I have to I wanted to I wanted to make this comment, uh, but but uh, so I got to throw this out here. There's actually I think a huge benefit to, to to society and to the future filmmakers that are that are going to be coming out of the out of the vault here to see what a bad film is too, right? Oh, like for sure. I think I I don't think you can just stack the vault full of you know all eights nines and tens. I mean you got to have like a two point nine in there so they can uh, so they can understand uh, what not to do. Absolutely. Oh yeah, you got to set the bell curve. Yeah. Sometimes those low two point nine to sometimes those are a badge of honor as well. You know, and I think yeah, the trolls too. Absolutely. I think it is. It is yes, an amazing exactly right. catastrophe. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. Uh, I could probably put a few other films in that category that people would like, you know, yell at me for. But uh, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that for a, a different time. Maybe may a different vault that we're uh, that we're filling. <laughs> yeah. Well, I tell you, I really feel good about this list. Uh, I mean, I know we've lost some good films, but I think we picked some good films. Can, can you name off the ones that we actually kept? Absolutely. I mean, we are going to be able to watch in the future, a hundred years from now, we're going to be able to watch Die Hard with a Vengeance. No problem. Great movie. Singing in the Rain. Wonderful choreography in that movie. Citizen Kane, one of the best films ever made. The Notebook, which is, even for a rough-and-tumble guy like me, hey, I dig that kind of stuff sometimes. Point Break, which is a really freaking good movie. Point Break is a good movie. (laughs) It really is. Psycho, classic. E.T., another classic. Frozen, I lost out on that one, but you guys like the singing, so whatever. Uh, Trolls 2 <laughs> Trolls 2 will make it a century from now People will be able to enjoy Trolls 2 And of course, Jailhouse Rock Honestly, God, I'm, I'm happy with list. that though That's a great, that, that actually is a really great list So I, I, I I'm, feel, I'm pretty happy with it I feel like I could sit down And watch this entire list As you listed it right there And have a great time Oh yeah, Have an absolutely great time We'll laugh, we'll cry, we'll have a great time We'll sing, <laughs> and he will sing wouldn't it be interesting to know if you if you shook that list up, right? Like all twenty, right? Mm-hmm. And, you, and you switched them all up again, and and we went back through. It'd be interesting to see what would make it again, right? Because I think I think some of those are going to be fairly consistent, right? Now, Troll Two may not may get booted out if it gets like up to Toy Story, right? You know, <laughs> right. but it would be interesting. I, I think that we have enough good films there. I think uh, I think that list could possibly. Be close to repeating itself. Yeah, I that guess. is interesting. Yeah, gentlemen, I want you to tell us a little bit about your show, and because you, is this a weekly show you guys do, the Murko Movie Guys? <laughs> I, I wish it was a weekly <laughs> we show. Yeah, right now it's about like a, a two monthly show right now because yeah. uh, su- summer times we typically are pretty slow at uh, getting material out. We've done this, this is our uh, second year here, and, and we've been uh, 
been slow last summer as well. The, but uh, the, the problem the problem is we both have regular jobs, and so like we like to have a couple drinks when we do these shows and stuff. Sure. And you you can't you can't really do that you know on a Tuesday night when you've got to go to work the next morning and stuff. So uh, we try and do it on the weekends, and everybody wants to get married in the summer for some reason. And so you've got <laughs> you've got weddings and you've got this going on, you've got that going on. There's always something going on, and we just, we, we can't find time to do these. Other than the, the, the big so. crazy thing called life, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. But I I, I, will, I will give you a little bit of, a little bit of rundown on our show here, uh, John, and and uh, and actually I, I still got to say thank you for coming on our show of back uh, back in, you know a few months ago. There, you're actually the uh, the first like movie uh, production person that we had on our show. Right, oh, okay, and uh, and that started like a, a really cool trend of us uh, trying to uh, interview some directors and some writers and some actors, and uh, and you started that for us, which was which was awesome. But really, it's a show about uh, two guys that like to talk about movies. Uh, we actually don't consider ourselves movie experts by any means. We consider ourselves a, a couple regular guys that like to drink a little scotch or coffee if, the, if it's a morning episode and uh, and talk. Just talk movies, uh, you know, whether we're agreeing or disagreeing or arguing or whatever. Uh, that's what we try to do. Most of our episodes are between maybe a half hour and, uh, and an hour. Sometimes we go maybe a little even over that. We also uh, have a Facebook page I'll let Chad talk about. Uh, and we also have a TikTok page. A couple old guys like us actually decided to fire up a, a, an old tickety talk here. So uh, so we're uh, trying to expand that uh, as well. Merco.movie.guys. So. Do you twerk on your TikTok channel? Well, who doesn't? Yeah. I mean, that's, that's, that's just that, like you know, either either show the back end or don't get uh, don't get followed. I think that's you know, in the terms that. of service. I think you have to. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Like when you sign on, they they kind of require that. <laughs> yeah, Clint, Clint's been trying to talk us into getting an OnlyFans for a while, and I just said that's where I draw the line. We're not doing that. Uh, but no, uh, uh, the Facebook page is just a. Uh, just look up the, the Murko movie guys and, and follow it that way. I think it's actually Facebook uh, uh, backslash the Pandora Theater, which is our first. Uh, oh first yeah. Name. Yep. Uh, and uh, but 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 yeah, I, I think the, the cool thing about Clint and I's uh, show is basically it's something that we wanted to do this because we're doing it anyway. Uh, we like to we like to talk movies and we have these conversations all the time. So why not why not involve other people and get other people's opinions and stuff like that and, and like just like we did here tonight. Like this has been great. And John, I, I, t- I said this at the at the beginning. When you asked me, you know, kind of how I got into movies. Chad and I have become uh, best friends back in uh, actually we were, uh, sophomores in high school, and uh, and so it's one of those where we've pretty much been lifelong best friends. We we know each other's kind of tastes and and thoughts in in movies. Uh, it allows us to have a lot of fun conversations, and we hope that comes across uh, on the speakers as well as uh, as as people are listening to us. Uh, and I tell you what, the one thing that we also love, we love, uh, you know, audience interaction. Um, we like to talk to people. We're both kind of natural salespeople, and uh, and this kind of is another outlet for that. So that's great. To, to, to quote our high school uh, home ec teacher, Mrs. Reason, <laughs> one doesn't think of, the other one will. That's why they compliment each other so well, and they cause so much trouble. <laughs> well, gentlemen, you uh, I tell you, I had a great time with this. Um, like I said, I got to get this list off to the United Nations. I think that's where it ultimately goes. But this, <laughs> these, these movies are going to survive. And if anyone comes around asking, just tell them that you are movie experts, okay? Because that's what I said. <laughs> Absolutely. Fair enough. Absolutely. That All works. Right, guys. Well, I will talk to you soon, uh, gentlemen. And, uh, man, you guys have a great weekend, okay? Thank you, John. Thank you. John. Take care. There you go. I Feel the World is a little safer after that segment. If you like movies and you want to hear more, please subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Don't forget to rate and leave a review. Now, what is John smoking? Let me tell you about a great brand of cigars that won't break the bank. The J.C. Newman Cigar Company is a legend among cigar manufacturers. They were founded by Julius Caesar Newman, great name, and they have been in business since 1895. 
They have several cigar lines in their portfolio, but today we are discussing Trader Jack's Kickin' Cigars by the J.C. Newman Cigar Company. These cigars are sold in a 30-count glass jar or resealable bags of 20. They average around $2 a piece or less. I really enjoy these flavorful cigars, and I think they are more approachable for someone who does not smoke often or are simply dipping their toe into the world of premium cigars. And they are made right here in the U.S., in Tampa, Florida. There are three kinds. And I enjoy them all. Here is a little info from their website. The original Trader Jack's cigars offer the same quality construction and flavor as all Tampa-made cigars, but with a Caribbean twist. Each cigar is spiked with a little aromatic island spice before it's packed away. The final touch adds a unique taste to the cigar that has the ability to transport anyone to a Caribbean state of mind. Then there is Trader Jack's Sunrise and Midnight varieties. They consist of two distinct cigars with delectable blends that feature Dominican, Honduran, and Nicaraguan tobaccos. Trader Jack's Sunrise is enfolded in a smooth Connecticut shade wrapper reminiscent of Don's first light while Trader Jack's Midnight is cloaked in a tasty Connecticut broadleaf Maduro wrapper as dark as the Midnight Sea. Offered in a stay-fresh pouch of 20 cigars, Trader Jack's bags feature a resealable zipper and eye-catching design. Using innovative humidification technology, these pouches were specifically designed to keep cigars at their optimum humidity. Hmm, sounds good, right? Oh, man, I want one right now. I really appreciate the pirate theme of these cigars. Uh, They taste great, smell great, and are easy to share with your cigar-smoking compadres. And that is what John is smoking. So there you go, episode five. I think I'm getting the hang of this. Thank you all so much for supporting the show. I appreciate all of you. If you want to reach out, there's a new email address. It is jwn boomcast at gmail.com I'm currently looking for Bigfoot stories for an upcoming episode so if you or someone you know has a story to share, reach out thanks gang see you next time and remember, stay creative